The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 66 The Girl Who Returned 1883 April 18th, the Golden Apple Ranch. When Paris and Euricity returned from their hunting trip, the day at the ranch had already begun. Paris's brothers were in the pasture, and as they rode to the barn, Simon followed and offered to take care of their horses for them. Paris took the rabbits that they had collected, seven in total, back to the house to prepare them for supper. Euricity left to find Orpheus. Paris was nervous that her dad was going to get a talking to because of her, but the arguments between Orpheus and Euricity over the years always ended with them in bed together, so she decided not to interfere and let their version of a loving relationship continue uninterrupted. Inside the house, Paris began preparing the rabbits by skinning them and cutting them into pieces. Well, Paris heard as she worked and then she looked up to see Polyzena standing across the cutting board from her. Paris tried to speak, but could not think as everything between them flashed across her memory. Do you need help? Polyzena asked. Could you start some bread? Paris asked in return. Of course, she replied. They fell back into a familiar rhythm. They'd spent so many mornings working together in the restaurant, and it was a dance Paris had become accustomed to. Polyzena had taught it to her, and Paris had taught it to Cassandra. But unlike before, they didn't speak to each other. They just worked, passing items, chopping vegetables, preparing dinner together. Before, there had been laughter, there had been jokes. They talked about the future they were planning, and that future was gone now. For them, whatever it was going to become, it was. Paris made the rabbits into stew. Polyzina pulled her bread from the oven, and the smell of fresh loaves filled the house. When they were on the cutting board, Paris took a bread knife and lined up the bread to cut. Don't you dare! Polyzina pulled the bread away from her. It's just out of the oven. You have to wait for it to settle. Wait? But it's always best out of the oven. Don't you want to taste it? I have the butter. Paris tempted. It needs to set. You'll ruin it if you cut it early. Anna, don't you think it's better this way? Just a little taste before it cools down. I want to try it while it's still hot, moist, and perfect. Don't you start with me, Belle. We can't play this game anymore. I know. I'm sorry. Paris stiffened. She set the knife down and stepped away from the table. Don't go. Don't shut me out again. Belle, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything. Polyzina moved to grab Paris's hand. No, it's me that should be apologizing to you. This isn't your fault. It's not even about you anymore. I'm happy for you, and I don't mean to shut you out. I should have come home. I should have had the courage to face you. For all my excuses and all the reasons I gave, everything I said, I didn't want to hurt you. I wanted to give Edgar time. I didn't want to be here so that I would mess up your relationship. I told so many people so many different lies. But the truth is, 
I was afraid to look you in the eye. I was afraid to say goodbye. Paris pulled her hand away and stepped to the other side of the table. Then we're even, and we can start over. If we can forgive each other. I forgive you, Anna. But I don't know if I can start again. Can you? Paris questioned. You can call me Pollyanna. It was too confusing while you were gone, and everybody here just calls me Pollyanna now. I never cared for it when I was younger, but the way Eddie says it is different. Um, I'm okay with it now. You would prefer it to Anna? No, but it made things easier than trying to compete with your ghost. Well, then I won't use it. If you don't prefer it, Letting you be Anna was a gift, and I won't take it back. Thanks. I'm going to ring the dinner bell. I think everything's ready, Polyzina said as she turned to walk away. Paris grabbed her hand and pulled her back. She kissed her on the lips, holding it until she slowly let her go. Goodbye, Anna, Paris whispered. Goodbye, Belle, Polyzina whispered back, then turned and walked out of the room. Paris's brothers poured in from every entrance. They quickly grabbed bowls, plates, silverware, setting up the large dining table that took up the majority of the room. Simon watched to make sure everything was set up properly. Fifteen places in all. Simon recounted the chairs and realized they were one place setting shy. Polyzina had been sitting in the chair that had been Paris's. Simon ran to the other room and grabbed the chair that sat with the piano. He set Paris a new spot next to Orpheus across from Hector's. It wasn't where she used to be, next to Hector, but it was now Pollyanna's, and Simon felt he couldn't take that from her. He looked at his work. The chair, plate, bowl, silverware were from different sets, and the patterns didn't match the others. Simon switched them with his own. He would use the mismatched set. He hoped it would make Paris more comfortable. Maybe it's time, he thought. Nah, maybe to buy some new china. He would talk to Pollyanna tomorrow. She would probably like to choose a new pattern with him. Orpheus and Eurycity came out of the back of the house, where their bedroom was. Hector entered the dining room last. He walked to the stove and surveyed the food. Pollyanna gave him a hug and kissed him on the cheek. Did you make this? Hector asked. No. Belle made the stew, she replied. Where is she? I don't know. She was here when I went out to call everyone in. But she's gone when I came back. She probably went back to her room, Polyzina replied. Hector looked around the room. Everyone stop, Hector ordered. The room went silent. Luke, are you going to let me handle this now? I have faith you'll do the right thing. Go ahead, Eurycity answered. Hector walked out of the room and upstairs to the bedroom. What's he going to do? asked Orpheus. They are going to be the children you raised, and if they hurt each other, it is your fault. Eurycity explained. My fault? Why? You know why. From upstairs, Paris could be heard yelling. Eddie, get out! Then the sounds of a struggle. Eddie, put me down. I swear to God, I will hurt you. Put me down now! The sounds got louder as Hector descended the staircase. 
He re-entered the dining room, with Paris strung across his shoulders, ass first. She was punching him in the back as he held her tight. Sorry, everyone. Supper's probably going to get a little cold, but we're going to the barn first. You're all welcome to join us, Hector announced. He turned around to exit. Paris pushed herself up so she could see. Luke, do something, Paris demanded. Not this time. You're going to have to fight your way out of this on your own. Luke, Paris questioned. Sorry, Eurysides said as he got up to follow them to the barn. Hector carried Paris to the barn and then into the ring. He set her down in one corner and took his place in his favorite corner. Paris turned to see her brothers surrounding the ring. Standing behind them was Orpheus, Eurysides, and in the back by the door was Polyxena. Dad, Paris asked. Stay calm, see the path, and don't let him grab you, Orpheus instructed. Thanks a lot, Dad, Paris replied. Oh, and Edgar, be careful. She's not the fighter she used to be. She learned a few tricks up in Denver, Orpheus warned. Paris turned to Hector and smiled. Are you sure you want to do this? I am not going to hold back this time, she warned. <laughs> Big words, little sister. I heard you bragging about how you can beat me. Easy to say, but you haven't done it yet. Come on, let's see what you learned. Hector held his hand out and beckoned her forward. Paris jumped up and down a little and then began to pace back and forth, swinging her arms in little circles. Fight already, complained Poe. And that was all it took. Paris flew at Hector. She landed a blow into his guard. He swung, and she ducked it. She kicked at his knee, but he stepped back in time. His hand spun around to smack her, but she jumped away, and he missed by an inch. Paris could feel the wind whipped past her. She stepped back and pushed heavy on his shoulder blades. He spun off balance. She jumped up, placing her feet on his back, and she kicked him as she flipped back, landing on her feet. Hector fell to his knees and held out a hand to keep from falling onto the floor. He pushed himself up and laughed. Paris once again began pacing back and forth, swinging her hands in little circles. Wow, you did learn a few tricks, didn't you? It's going to take more than that, Annie, Hector smiled. Oh, I got more. I got lots more, Paris replied. Eurysides held his head in his hand and shook it with disappointment. Orpheus set a hand on his shoulder in support, but Eurysides turned to him and glared. Orpheus pulled his hand away and then held them both up in surrender. Paris ran at Hector. He had his guard up, so she punched him in his fist, pushing his own fist into his jaw. He reached out to grab her instead of backing away. She spun into him, putting her back against his chest. His arms wrapped around her. She reared back and hit him in the nose with the back of her head. She took her elbow and jammed it into his side as hard as she could, then fell to the ground and rolled away. Hopping up to her feet, she turned to look at her brother, but he was still laughing. <laughs> what I don't understand, Annie, is at what point you thought you could hurt me. Whatever made you think I was so fragile that you needed to protect me? Hector asked. 
Do you want me to hurt you? Paris yelled. <laughs> you can't hurt me. Don't you get it? I will hit harder. I will fight longer. I will always be bigger than you. I will always be stronger than you. But you will never be faster than me. Paris charged into him. She punched him in the gut. He swung for her head. She ducked under and came up, punching him in the jaw. Then, hooking her foot around his knee, she pulled forward, causing him to buckle on one side. He staggered back to regain his balance. She kicked him in the ribs. He reached for her, but she stepped aside. Grabbing his wrist, she pulled him forward. Then, falling to the ground on her back, she put her foot in his shoulder blade and yanked hard at his hand. He let his knees buckle and fell to the floor. He pulled his hand away from her. She rolled away from him and hopped up on her feet. Did that hurt? Paris asked. Hector rubbed his shoulder with his hand. You tried to dislocate my shoulder. Don't you see? I'm faster than you. All that other shit doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard you hit if you miss. I am faster than you. I'll get there first. I'll always beat you if I choose to. Polyzina stepped away from the door and began to walk towards the ring. But as she stepped near Eurycity, he held out his hand, stopping her from getting any closer. Is that how it is? Hector asked. That's how it is, Paris responded. Then, let me dispel that little myth right now. Hector held his hands to his side, opened his palms, and stood waiting for Paris to attack. This was his favorite stance, the one that ended every other fight they had ever had. The moment Paris attacked, the moment she went in, he would grab her. He would hold her in a bear hug or up on his shoulders. He would squeeze her until she surrendered. But not this time. She would not allow it. Paris ran at him. She jumped up, she kicked him in the chest, and bounced off of him, back out of his grasp. Hexter did nothing. He just let her kick him, barely moving at the impact and standing stoic against her assault. She tried again, this time punching him in the ribs and then ducking out of the way. But he didn't move. He took the punch and left his hands at his sides, making no attempt to grab her. She once again stepped into his reach. She punched him in the jaw and then the stomach. She kicked him in the knee, always waiting for one of his hands to twitch so that she could roll out of the way. But they didn't. She backed away, and he stood, still stoic, staring at her. She walked up to him, standing close enough for him to grab her. She did nothing. He didn't move. She punched him in the chest, and he did nothing. She tried again. Still, he would not move. She took a deep breath, and began pummeling his stomach, punch after punch after punch, always keeping her eye out for his reaction. There was none. She backed away. What are you doing? Fight me! I am fighting you. No, you're not! I am showing you the truth. What truth? The truth of who we are. I remember when you were born. I wanted to be able to protect you. That's why I asked Dad to teach me to fight. When you got older, you wanted to fight with me. 
You've been trying to beat me all your life. But all I ever wanted was to help you. I wanted to help you become a better fighter, because it seems like that's what you wanted. I wanted to teach you to ride a horse, to work the ranch, anything and everything I knew I wanted to teach you. But you always just wanted to win. So I made those lessons into games. I could have let you win them, but it would have taught you nothing. So I made you earn them. Every time you won against me, you earned it. Except in this ring. I've known for a long time that you've been holding back. So was I. Neither of us wanted to truly hurt each other, so we didn't. Hector stood straight. Then, making a fist, he reached up and slammed his fist into the boards that made up the floor of the ring. The floor split and broke. He left a hole where his fist had been. This game, it got too deadly, and we both knew it before we were willing to admit it. Hector once again held out his hands. I never meant to hurt you. I wanted to see you happy. But you held back. You lied to me. And I believed it. Because I was in love. I didn't want to see the truth, because the truth meant I would be alone. So, I believed you when you told me there was nothing between you and Pollyanna. I ran back here with every stupid hope that it was all true, that we would be a family, but you lied to me. I'm sorry, Paris whispered. I swore I would never let anything harm you. All these years I tried to protect you, and not only did I fail, but in the end it was me. I don't know which is worse. You gone, knowing it's all my fault? Or you being here so I could see what I really did? It's not your fault. I made my decisions, and Anna made hers. For me, that's in the past. I'm happy for you. That's not what's hurting me. Paris walked up to him. His hands were still at his sides, his palms still out. She set a hand on his chest. She looked up at him with tears in her eyes. You can't protect me from myself. I'm all grown up now, and you're going to have a family of your own. Please, I release you from your obligation. Take care of them. Stop worrying about me. That is not going to happen. Hector wrapped his arms around her. Paris put her arms around his neck. He pulled her up and off her feet. You will always be my little sister. I will always be here for you. I don't need that. I don't need your protection. You have it anyway, Hector said as he held Paris a moment longer. Then set her back down. Come on, your dinner's probably cold. They stepped out of the ring together. But who won? Asked Poe, as they all turned to walk out of the barn. Well, if we were counting points, Anna won, because Edgar never landed a blow, answered Orpheus. Don't 
say things like that. It'll just start them up again. Your city chastised. If this were a legitimate match, neither of us would have won. We would have both been disqualified for hugging. Paris laughed. <laughs> Is that a joke? Asked Hector. Yep, replied Paris. By the way, Dad, why was there a ghost in the outhouse? I don't know. But he scared the shit out of me. Orpheus replied. Eurycides stopped and began to laugh so hard he buckled over. <laughs> Damn it, Lee. That is not how that joke ended. <laughs> I improved it. Come here, demanded Eurycides. Orpheus turned to look at him. He grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him in for a kiss. I love you, he whispered after the kiss. Good, because I love you too, Orpheus said as his hand fell into Eurycides. They walked together back to the house. Hector took Polyxena by the arm. Paris turned to look at the ring. She stood still until she was the last person in the barn. She felt a hand slip into hers. It was soft and small. Come on, Belle. It's time for dinner. I'm coming. But Paris didn't move. She took a deep breath and then turned. Hector and Polyxena stood patiently for her to be ready. What was her name? asked Hector. Thalia. Paris replied. What happened to her? asked Polyxena. She's gone. Paris answered. Oh, I'm so sorry, Belle. Polyxena whispered. Let's go eat. Paris walked with them back to the house. She was the last to enter the dining room. She saw that there was only one seat left next to Orpheus, and she took it. She realized Polyxena was sitting in the seat she used to sit in. She looked over at Simon and smiled. Thank you, she said, across the table with only her mouth, not making a sound. You're welcome, he said back silently. Everyone had been served, and there was a bowl of stew and torn piece of bread in front of Paris. Quiet, demanded Eurycity, and the table went silent. He bowed his head and closed his eyes. Thank you, Father, for one more day with my family. His prayer was short. It was the same prayer he said every dinner Paris could remember. As soon as he had finished saying it, everyone began eating, and a meal that took hours to prepare took minutes to devour. When it was over, each person took their plate and bowl to the wash basin, cleaned it, and set it aside. Then, left for the living room, where the piano was. Paris watched her family as they did what they had done hundreds of times before. Alan came back into the dining room, grabbed the chair Simon had been sitting on, and walked back to the living room to put it in front of the piano. She waited till they were almost all gone, and she could hear the music. Her father played the violin, Poe was on guitar, and Alan played the piano. She knew that Eurycity would be sitting in the chair normally reserved for Orpheus. The rest of the boys will join in if they feel like it. Hector would make some excuse, some chore he had to finish, and would most likely go to the barn. Or at least that's what he used to do. Paris wondered if Polyxena had cured him of that habit. Simon stayed to tidy up the dining room. He checked that all the plates and silverware were clean, and put them away, back where they belong. Paris stood from her chair and went to clean her own plate. Thank you for what you did, with the chair and the plates. You didn't want me to feel displaced. 
Paris said as she worked. You're not displaced, Simon replied as he placed plates back into the cupboard. That's not exactly true, is it? Do you like those chairs? I was wondering whether or not it would be cheaper to start over and get a new set, or to have someone craft one just like it so the others would have a match. I never really noticed the chairs. They've just been chairs. <laughs> it's that. Pollyanna is just the beginning. We're all getting older now, and the family is going to get bigger. Or smaller. We lost you for a while. We gained her. You came back. She's pregnant. Everything is changing. How long will it be before Poe finally picks one of his girlfriends and she joins the family? What happens when Alan finds a boy he likes? And what about you? Are you going to run away again? Or will you bring your next girl home? Is that what everybody's so worried about? Is that why everybody's being so weird? I don't think so. Simon pulled a glass down from the cupboard. He got a bottle of whiskey hidden in a drawer, poured a drink for Paris. He set it on the cutting board next to her. I think the problem is, they remember the girl who left. And they were all hoping that's the girl you would be when you returned. But nobody is ever the same person twice. Whoever you are, you're not the girl that left us. Are you, whiskey girl? Oh, you heard about that. Was it a secret? If it was, then you should never tell Luke a secret that he's going to get mad at Dad about. He's louder than he realizes when he's angry. No, it wasn't a secret. You're home now. You unpacked. You shot something with your mother. You punched your brother. I can't wait to see what you do next. Everything just feels so weird. I don't know what to do or how to fix it. This is your home. It didn't change. What changed was you. What's different? Who was I before? You were Annie. I still am. No, you're not. Annie was happy. She was hopeful. She was sober. The whiskey girl? <laughs> the whiskey girl has lived through too much in too short of a time. I don't want to be her anymore. I want to be the person I was. I think that's why I'm here. But it's not the same. I don't think that's why you're here. You're here looking for the same thing everyone has been looking for. What? An apology. From who? From Annie. You're looking to find her so that she can apologize to you for what she did. What did she do? She hurt you. She considered you the least important person in her life. She didn't protect you. And she sacrificed your happiness for everyone else's. I did that because it was my fault. Was it? You were a child. And like a child, you were selfish. But were you any more selfish than Pollyanna, who was courting two people at once? Were you any more selfish than Edgar, who envied his sister's relationship to the point where he refused to acknowledge it? You forgive them for their sins, but you refuse to forgive yourself. How do I do that? Realize you are not that child anymore. You are stronger, smarter, wiser. You are now the woman you are supposed to be. You're worthy, you're beautiful, and you are loved for who you are right now. And you have a place here just as you are. 
I don't want Annie back. I like the whiskey girl. The whiskey girl is smart enough to not kiss her sister. How did you... I, I didn't... Oh my god, you did kiss her. When? Why? What are you thinking? You can't do that again. I never got to say goodbye. I had to say goodbye. I had to end what was between us somehow. And you thought kissing her was going to make the situation better? I, I take it back. You didn't learn a damn thing. I learned that true love is a lie. There are no soulmates. There is no happily ever after. Love is the peace before the storm. It is the fuel that tragedy burns on. Paris said, and then took a drink of her whiskey. Simon pulled a pack of cigarettes out of his shirt pocket. It was brand new, and he opened it carefully. He removed a cigarette from the pack and offered it to Paris. She shook her head no. He lit a match on the stove, and then took the first puff as he lit the cigarette. <sighs> That's okay. You don't have to believe in true love. Because the next girl who claims your heart, she'll believe enough for both of you. Simon took his pack of cigarettes and pulled the photo card out of it. He looked at it and then turned it so she could see. Look, Cleopatra. I don't know who that is. Cleopatra? She was once the most beautiful woman in the world, Simon explained. Paris reached for the card, but he pulled it away at the last second. You can have it. If you get up tomorrow, get dressed, go to work, and come home to have supper with us. At the gun shop? I don't even know if I still have a job. It's waiting for you. How would you know? Maybe he replaced me. He didn't. I've been covering for you. I've been keeping the place clean and manning the register. Pollyanna's been taking care of the books, and if there's a request for a repair or some modification, we've been taking them to Luke. But now that you're back, I'm sure everyone will be happy just to let you handle it. Thank you. I don't know how I could repay you. You don't have to repay me. You're my sister, and family looks out for family. Come on, finish your whiskey, and we'll go listen to the music. Simon took one last puff off his cigarette, and then tossed the rest into the fire, still burning in the stove. Paris drank the last of her whiskey, and waited for Simon to be ready. Simon. Yeah? Please, don't call me the whiskey girl. <laughs> okay. What would you like me to call you? Anna, said Paris. Anna. Just Anna, if you say so. But somehow, I don't think the name fits you. It's my name. Can I call you Belle? No. But Belle fits you so much better, Simon continued in falsetto. Belle, could you saddle my horse for me? Belle, could you help me lace up my corset? Belle, could you punch your brother for me? Shut up, Simon, or I will punch you. All right, all right, all right. One more. Belle, will you open this jar of pickles? He handed her the photo card and then took her arm to walk with her back to the living room. All right, okay, whiskey girl. I will call you Anna from now on. Will you? Yeah, that was the last one, I swear, promised Simon. But it wasn't. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. 
except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.